0: Yeah, baby, here we go, here we go, for the streets, another week down, Shemaine Main D. Man, we had a crazy week of sports, man, from MMA to boxing, finishing it up with some NFL breakdowns, man, this was a exciting week, heading into the New Year's. We got to start off with the UFC first and foremost. I I can't go further without mentioning a bantamweight fight. This thing was full of action. It was one minute one fighter was up. The next minute the next fighter was up. It was crazy. Amanda Nunes put her belt on the line, her 135 belt. She was the champ champ heading into this day against... Juliana Pena. And Pena's been calling her out for years. She's been saying her her bully style will match uh, Nunez's bully style. And boy, oh boy, it was crazy. The first round, it was actually Nunez, Nunez in my opinion. I felt like she dominated the first round. And she looked so confident while she was sitting um, sitting down. It didn't even seem like the corner was really giving her that much advice they I think they liked what they saw and I feel like going into the second round which ended up being Nunez's downfall she just felt like this was just any other fight and she's been saying this moving forward into this fight this is I've seen girls like this this is the type of girl that I have to train for all the time everybody wants to do this what she's talking about and I don't feel like she genuinely was worried about Pena because in that second round, she was less technical. I'd even say sloppy, more sloppy than I've seen her in years. When she came into the UFC, you know, she does have some some losses early in her career. She wasn't as crisp. She made mistakes. You know, it's the story of a lot of MMA people as they develop and mature and put more pieces than just one thing to their game. They, they evolved. And she went on a hell of a run. Pena did something in that second round to Nunez while they were on the feet, and it was just amazing to see. And those, those punches that Nunez normally puts people down with, Pena was taking them taking them right in the face and coming back with her own shot. And that moment when Pena hit Nunez with her shots after receiving the shots from her, I don't believe that Nunez was was ready for that. And it just completely depleted her tank. She thought she was going to get her out of there in the second round, and I think that she gassed herself out not pacing herself at all because he became a slugfest, which, as a fan, I'm I'm loving it. But as someone who knows what she's capable of, I felt like she did herself a huge disservice. But big props to Pena because this is what she had been saying forever. She had been saying that she doesn't like to be bullied, and this is true of most bully-type fighters. When it comes to them being the nail and not the hammer, most times they don't have the ability to overcome that now, obviously you know champions show what champions do, and Pena showed that she was the champion that night, and she even got her in a choke and she didn't even get the hook in for a rear naked. she just was just basically woman handling her with the right with her with her arm with just one arm it was it was beautiful to watch uh very inspiring, even her Long-time training partner, Michael Chiesa, who was super sloppy drunk, by the way. Uh, Man, they had a beautiful moment backstage, you know, crying and celebrating. It was really, really cool. You got to love that kind of stuff, man. And I remember watching Juliana Pena on The Ultimate Fighter way back when, and I just saw something in her. Yeah, back then, I was like, "Man, she's a dog. She, she, you know, she got it." And I, I, I always had a feeling that eventually, you know, some way, somehow, she would become a champ. Now, I don't think anybody believed that she was gonna beat Amanda Nunez with the way that Amanda had been looking over these, you know, however many fights she'd been dominating. The only person that really got her to a place where people could question if she won or not recently was valentina and a lot of people were like well she had already beat her twice and some people said "Ah, well valentina won and it was a whole thing but Pena finished her submission round two no doubt about it didn't leave it to the judges had three extra rounds by the time that round five was uh, going on, she was already taking a shower. So, I mean, you got to love that. So, big props to Pena. Obviously, girl, you certified for the streets for sure. Uh, and another thing that happened during her pre- her press conference I really want to talk about, I didn't really feel like it was justified. She had spoke on, you know, just just celebrating the fact that she, as a mother who gave birth to a child, was the first person to be able to become a champion who went that route as far as a uh, journey giving birth and she she called herself the first mom champion by that sense, and the internet ate her up everybody you know most people went crazy after her on Twitter and other parts of social media, and I felt like it was not in the spirit of what she was trying to say. And I think a big time moments like this, people ha- are rushed to ju- to judgment. they rush to speak on someone's intention instead of letting them speak on their own intention. And a lot of times, rather than appreciating what somebody is going through, they want to add other things to what they're saying. I don't feel Pena's words were... In a negative place. I, I feel like she just wanted to shed light and celebrate her journey. I don't feel like it was her taking a stab at people who don't have children the natural way. I felt like she was just acknowledging her journey, that she went through that, and she took pride in it. And as somebody who really has utmost respect for women that have to go through that journey... Because it is something that could be life-threatening, you know. It's definitely something that could be life-threatening. I I give her big props, and I also give her props for clarifying her statement and making sure that people couldn't take it to that negative place. And if they choose to, it is on them at that point. Now, the lightweight main event with the men, Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier, That was also a hell of a match. And it ended similarly with the submission in the round three this time. Now, I'll say, Oliveira, he he started out rocky. I'm not even going to lie. He started out rocky. All these people that go out there talking about since Oliveira's lost eight times, he's a quitter and all this kind of stuff. Man, whatever, dog. Miss me with all that. The dude started MMA... Professionally, and in at a high level in the UFC, very very early on. So he was swimming in the deep end early, man. And you know, you win some, you lose some. It's a journey, man. Some people make it to the top, you know, in in a small amount of time. It's 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 always gonna be ups and downs in careers. Some people never make it to the top. And other people have to go through ups and downs for years before they finally make it. Oliveira went ups and downs for years and he finally made it. Poirier found inspiration in that. He was trying to do that. Now, he started off great with his boxing and looked real sharp. The first round it definitely went to Poirier in my opinion. I felt like he, he did a great job it, uh, you know, working his strengths. And after that Something you know, something got into Oliveira. He realized, okay, I got to make adjustments, and this is what champs do. From round to round, they make key adjustments, and they execute those adjustments flawlessly. And that's what he did. He saw that he wasn't winning the exchange on the feet. Poirier, say what you want to about the guy, but he is definitely one of the best boxers in the UFC. Uh, what he did. With Holloway, who is also one of the best boxers or better boxers, was very impressive. So for him, doing that to Oliveira wasn't a big surprise, I don't believe, to anybody. Now, I think the biggest surprise was how Oliveira responded. Not only did he respond in the next round and the next round after with a better game plan, Ended up dominating in a different area, which was using his his grappling game. He even took the guy's back standing up, which is very difficult to do. To even get a guy's back standing up, and he did. He got it standing up, and he put him in a bad place and forced him to tap. I mean, obviously, as somebody who likes both these guys, you know, somebody's going to have to lose. And I felt like it was Oliveira's time now. I felt like he was going to be the next guy anyway. Even if Khabib still hadn't retired, I felt like if anybody was going to beat him, it was going to be Charles Oliveira just because of the, the range of skills that he has, specifically the ground game. And I felt like if they ever were to fight, the ground games would probably cancel out and then they would be on their feet and I don't think that Oliveira would lose in that scenario because he's not worried about getting taken down. Uh but we never got to see that fight. The fight we did get to see was against Oliveira and Poirier and much like the Chandler fight, he had er, um Oliveira had early issues. The next round, he figured out a way to get the guy out of there. So I mean, big props to Oliveira. As for what comes next, we saw Justin Gaethje. Uh, they put a little clip in the back room of these guys, uh, where they, you know, kind of met met up and chatted, and you know, they just gave each other props for where they were at right now in the in the game. I would say that's gonna be the next matchup. Now, there's been a little bit of chatter about whether or not Connor's gonna get to skip the lane. Uh, and he might. I mean, he's the money fight. If I was Oliveira, I'd be like, let me go ahead and get that easy knockout or first submission uh and get the biggest paycheck of my life. And I'm the one who's pay per view buy, so I'm double eating. That's what I would do. I don't think Connor I mean everybody has a punch of chance. He has a hell of a left. I don't believe Connor has any idea that he how to beat these top guys i don't think he's elite anymore I, I would say he's gonna have trouble with the top five guys in my opinion and everybody else uh you know he's 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 a talent he's gonna be able to get a lot of guys out of there but i don't think the elite lightweights or, or even welterweights are gonna um have issues with him the same way that they you know might have used to have the issues when he was in his peak, when he was in his prime. Now, I do want to talk about a few other fights this card, because this card was stacked. This card was uh, filled with a lot of really awesome fighters. Uh, Jeff Neal beat Santiago Ponzinibbio. That was really good. Um, It was a decision. I didn't think it was going to go the distance, but it did. Uh, But I'll tell you what didn't go the distance. (laughs) <laughs> the flyweight, the flyweight fight between Kai Kara France and Cody Garbrandt, man, oh man, my boy Cody, no love, Garbrandt. You know, um, the internet is cruel, man. They were they were going after my boy. They were calling him no chin and all this kind of stuff. But I'll say this: this UFC. MMA game, man, it's 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 crazy because you could start off hot like he did. You know, when when Cody hit the scene, he was knocking out everybody. He got the belt. He made Dominic Cruz look bad on um, with movement. And I mean, I even remember in that fight, he busted the push ups on Dominic Cruz like mid push up and jump back up and bust him in the face with a jab or something like that. It was. It it he looked like he was the future, and a lot of times we get guys like that. And the thing about the UFC, it's becoming more and more like um, some of these bigger professional sports leagues because they're they're really starting to get scientific with their coaching to the point. I'll give you an example in the NFL. There's always adjustments to be made. There might be a player or a system or a play that comes out and it's kind of broken. Uh, nobody really has the answer to it, so it's really hard to to get a handle on. So the team that's doing it first, you know, has a lot of success with it. And then the next year, maybe they even get to the playoffs. The next year all in the off season. Now they have tape. Now that now the NFL defensive and defensive coordinators and head coaches are sitting down, keying in on the strengths and the weaknesses of this play or system or player, and then by the time the next season comes, some if not all of the the main teams that are you know really going after it on defense have figured out a way to at least minimize this play or player or system. Well, it's like that in MMA also. And I think that's what happened to Cody. When Cody first got here, I mean, he was knocking out everybody. And it seems like the situation with Cody is when he gets, he get you know, he gets into that place where, he just wants to go balls to the wall and just start swinging. And it, even when he's hurt, and that could be a detriment to him because obviously there's sometimes you got to get on the bicycle and you got to move around. And you got to keep your distance you got so you can recover. And I don't feel like he's recovering in a lot of these situations. There was a moment in the fight where he gets, I mean, rocked. And he looks like he's trying to get away a little bit. But then he, like, tells him to come on, and it's like, dude, no, this isn't the time when you wave them to you. You need to, you know, low kick him, stick him with the jab, back away from him, get your distance, clear your mind. Or, or even if you are close to him, you know, you can clinch in the MMA. So clinch him, you know, get your underhooks in there, try to take them to the ground, or at least hold them against the fence until you can kind of get your bearings. He did none of that. Now I give Cody ultimate respect because he always goes out on a shield. But I mean, he had right now he has five first round KO losses out of the last six times he's fought. And true, true enough that six time was a knockout win for him. So he's basically kill or be killed, and that is all good. That is a dope fan-friendly way to go but when it's not going your way and you're the one being killed that's when we start to have questions and man some of these knockouts are just brutal man some of these knockouts that Cody's had in the first round are just absolutely devastating knockouts and I'm not even saying devastating as far as you know his contendership. I'm saying devastating as in, is homie going to be good in 10 years, you know? Um, I mean, he's still relatively young for the sport, but when you have get, taken that kind of damage, you really got to start asking yourself some hard questions, man. Five KO losses out of six. You know, I you don't want to throw around retirement to people. And I think he's what. 30 years old or what not. But man. It's rough man. It's really rough. Especially if he has that fire. And he feels like he can do it. But I will say this. Everybody that he's got knocked out with. Is, are straight assassins. If maybe he. Went back to the drawing board. Sharpened up his boxing. And his counter punching. Instead of just going out there brawling and looking for knockouts and may you know I know he's probably he's a loyal guy, but maybe even switch up your camp for a little bit, go to a camp that'll give you the ability to train more defense you know because you got the power we know you got the power and and a lot of these exchanges you're right there too you're you're definitely hurting the guy, but at the same time I would that if I was Anywhere in his close to his uh, circle, I would I would say something like that. I remember Gaethje had a similar issue. He was starting to kind of get too brawlish and he had that uh, mantra of I'm either going to knock you out or I'm going to get knocked out. And he started to have those knockout losses. And Trevor Whitman cleaned that shit up, man. He got him sharp. And he's training with Usman and he's watching and training with Thug Rose. So there's a level of, there's a high level of iron sharpening iron going on over there. It's not a surprise that he, that Trevor Whitman won coach of the year. And I think a guy like Cody, who has a Golden Gloves record, would respond well to a boxing coach like him. Uh, He he also has a game plan, you know. Now, it's up to Cody to stick to the game plan, and it's up to him to keep himself out of danger, you know, because if his chin is compromised more than it was in the past, that's on him to keep a more defensive or counterpunching type of mentality. But, you know, we'll see what happens. As for Kakara France, who is— you know the winner. Every, nobody was talking about him. Everybody was talking about Cody and Sean O'Malley and whatnot. But Kykira France is the man right now. He's looking. He's looking at a potential fight. You know, out of the winners of the championship fight between Figueiredo and Marino. So, who knows what's going to happen? But you know, knocking out a uh, ex champion like Cody was a great way to put your hat in. The ability to say, "Hey, this is what this is where I'm at. I'm trying to get a a, a title shot." So he put a big step forward, man. Speaking of bantamweights, Sean O'Malley had a great knockout of Palva, and of course it was the first round. And I mean, this kid is very sharp, very technical. Say what you will about the kids' competition. And, I, you know, it's only a matter of time before his competition gets harder. But what he's doing to these people, the way he's striking, I believe that he would give anybody problems if they chose to stand up and strike with him in banter weight. Now... Is he as good as Pete who a lot of people regard as the best boxer in that division? If not, you know, all of the roster? Huh. You know, that's, that's why they fight. We'll have to see. But I can tell you this. If he keeps taking these fights and sharpening his blade, eventually he's going to fight these guys in the upper echelon. And I think he'll be ready then. Now, sometimes the UFC... Keeps the the training wheels on some of these guys, and and they get their they get these fighters primed up and ready to go on runs, and sometimes they just, they they feed them to the lions, and or throw them into the deep side of the pool, so you just have to see what happens. Um, I look at Kamzat, Kamzat looks like he's ready for the deep side of the pool, so hey, let's let's give him a shot. Sean O'Malley, I, I think he I think he's ready too. Whether or not he he steps up to that plate, uh, like you said before, it's really about money. He's looking for mon- bigger money for bigger fights, and I can't blame him. Now, I'm gonna work backwards a little bit before we go to um the next subject, but I did want to touch on the featherweight fight between Josh Emmett and Dan uh Iggy. It was a decision, but man. These are two of my favorite fighters, man. And and these guys put up a show. They really went at it. Emmett, you know, he proved that he is in the top five, in my opinion, of that division, of the featherweight division. Um Dan Dan E. e he's he's also uh he's also a, a badass dude. Who's one of my favorite fighters. And ultimately, man, I'm going to tell you what. Sometimes you just, you know, it's not your day. Um, and you just go out there and it doesn't work out for you. And I feel like that's what happened to him. But Josh Hedman is a bad dude, man. He's only had two losses. So it's no, nothing that, you know, to get down about, to take a a l to him in the decision loss. Unanimous, in my opinion down uh, we also had the bantamweight matchup with Dominic Cruz coming back against uh, Pedro Munoz. That also went to decision. But I'll say, you know, after the first round, Cruz made some adjustments. And then I feel like he pretty much took control of the fight. Uh, Munoz had his moments. But Cruz's movements, once he got into his groove, it's just so hard to hit him. And when he does hit him, it's not a clean shot because he does that. Ole type uh, role with the punches too. Great, great style. He's a he's one of one man. He really is. There's nobody in the game that has his style, and it's amazing that after all those knee surgeries and, and issues that he's had with his body, he can even do that style anymore because that it requires ultimate cardio and it's tough, man. I I can understand why he's had the injuries he's had because of the hard work that he does. is you know, sometimes your body just can't keep up with what you want it to do physically, you know. So, you know, shout out to Cruz. I hear him and Aldo could be in the works. That'd be a crazy fight between two legends. And, you know, when when these OGs fight, even if they're not like high ranked and stuff like that, they they're former champions. I don't really f- believe in making former champions just go through the gauntlet all over again. Like they they put in their time they they they've earned the ability to have um, one or two impressive wins, and if they haven't lost to the champ before, give them the, the title shot. You know, so uh, once we see what happens between Aljo and and Peter Young. Then we'll be able to start to look at who deserves to step in and, and go after that title next. Now, we hit we hit up the heavyweight division. And, well, I got to say, this Taito Avasa guy, he is super dope. He's funny, he's charismatic, and he knocks people out. One of his quotes was literally, people come to see me Drink shoeies and KO people, and he's right, and he did a great job this uh, this past weekend. Augusto Sakai was one of the the better heavyweights out there. He gets a lot of dudes' problems. Now you know to be fair, he's he's had a you know cu- uh, a couple losses that went to some of these better guys, but. Again, this is when you start to separate yourself from the contenders, the pretenders, the wannabes, the gonna bees. And I, even, you know, he was on a, a three game losing, three fight losing streak a while back, but he bounced back and now he's on a four win streak now and he's knocking people out. So he should be ranked um if sakai was ranked he'll take that rank but if he's not he's got to be close and man i tell you the usc got they got on one right there with him he's an international guy every time he comes out people are going nuts uh on tv so that tells me that they really vibe with this dude and he knocks people out and then drinks shoeys afterwards like just that alone, people are gonna be looking to to pay pay per views for it because they want to see him knock people out and and just start chugging a bunch of beer. It actually kind of reminded me of back in the day when wrestling WWE was like big when I was a, you know a youngster. I'm sure it's still big right now, but this is when I watched it and the character, the wrestling character Stone Cold Steve Austin would get the beers and he would just be chugging these beers. I mean, he, he'd wave to the audience and some random person, or I mean, who knows? They would pro- probably weren't even random, but some people just kept on throwing them beer cans and he would crush the beer cans. He would, I mean, he starts chugging these beer cans and half the beer is going in his mouth. The other half is going all over his clothes. And I promise you that was tied to He was all over the place with those beer cans, but it was so exciting because he just literally teed off on this dude against the fence and just knocked him out to the point to where when he fell, his back left leg was like laid up under him. Like it's such an unnatural, like unnatural knockout, it felt like I was playing a video game because their legs and their body just starts to wobble. And then you got to realize, hey, this is what it is. This is what this dude is, is about. So props to uh, Ty. That dude is, he's the truth, man. He really is. Now, what will happen when he starts to fight up in competition? Hey, man, this is what this journey is about. All you can do is, you know, fight the guy that's in front of you. So we'll see what happens. But all I do know is the usc got them a star, a star in the making if they, get behind them. Now whether they do or not, you know, that just is always up to the UFC. In middleweight, Bruno Silva, he knocked out Jordan Wright, and Jordan Wright is is an a known knockout guy in his own self. So for him to have gotten knocked out in the first round early, that just tells you what kind of uh magician Silva is. And I mean it was a beautiful knockout. I I expect this guy to be out um out there knocking out future middleweights very, very soon. Hopefully they get all their uh their stuff in line. But this guy he could be a problem at middleweight for a lot of dudes, man. That's some serious power. And of course that's that's the end of my the UFC breakdown for UFC two hundred sixty nine. But that wasn't all of the combat sports we had this weekend. We had some big names go and fight. Uh, where do I start? I might as well start with Vasily Lomachenko. He completely dominated Richard Comey. Uh, even though he got the decision, it was a wide decision. It looked like at one point where they were going to stop the fight. But Comey, he soldiered on, man. You really got to get his guy credit for soldiering on i mean like i said he lost he lost big but he did not give up and you gotta respect him now we had a lot of prospects um in the undercard it was really cool to see because um most of these prospects were very very exciting uh we had anderson jared anderson who came out as like a old school 70s like G you know he it was he was it was dope it was super cool and and he you know all his wins are by knockout so obviously going into this with this guy you already knew what it was and he didn't disappoint he knocked out this guy by TKO beautiful beautiful um his brother also fought his brother also knocked out another um uh, his opponent too, so that should tell you what these what these youngsters are about, man. That I love where boxing is right now. So many great young prospects coming up, so many guys that are on top of the game right now. Uh, I mean, literally the only thing I could say about boxing isn't even happening really to the point where it used to happen a lot where the best is fighting the best because they just a couple months ago blessed us with, you know, wilder fury. So, and, and even John, even uh, AJ and, and Usyk, that was a hell of a fight too. And, and so we're starting to see more, more awesome fights. We're starting to see more of the best fight the best. And I think we need to start seeing that. In some of these lighter weight classes, like the lightweights, I want to see the lightweights fight each other, unify these belts, keep it moving. Uh, also, we had a few more youngsters that that came in and they dominated. Uh, Wilkins outpointed Tapia. Bazu punished Williams in the fourth round for, uh, for a TKO. It was starting to look bad. Valdez scored a fifth round uh, KO, and that's only his sixth uh, fight, and he's a, he's an older boxer, you know. So, so he's only six and zero, but he he's older, so it's really really cool, and you know you gotta love that. Now, Vasily wasn't um, the only. Champion boxer that was out here taking care of stuff. Nonito Donaire knocked out Ray Raymart uh, for his to defend his WC bantamweight title. And if anybody knows Donaire, they know this guy is—he's like a clone of Pacquiao because he's thirty-nine and he's out here still, you know, giving it to these dudes at this at this lightweight class. And usually this lightweight class isn't even, it's not really good to stay in because you lose your speed and and these young guys usually kind of eat you up. But he's, it's not even close to that. So I really like where he's at right now. Of course, he lost um, lost a, a really good fight against the Monster. So I'm sure eventually... If they even want to fight again, that would be the biggest fight that they can make. So, you know, we'll just have to see. That's pretty much it for for the boxing setup. Now Connor Bean did finish Chris Algieri. I mean, they're they're still out there. Are they, you know, at the elite level right now? Being he's on the ascend and some of these other guys are on the decline, so you're gonna see him knock dudes out along the way to his journey to a contendership. You know, it just depends on that. Speaking of knocking out, we got a few we got a few players and a few teams in the NFL that were looking to knock out their opponents. From the playoffs and some of these games were really tight and it's gonna come back to bite these guys who who took these L's this past weekend uh, when it comes to that playoff hunt starting off first the Thursday night game with the Steelers and the Vikings it was bittersweet for me because the Vikings won which I don't necessarily care about except for the fact that I had Dalvin Cook, their running back, on my bench in fantasy, and he just went the fuck off. So I felt like a, I felt, I felt pretty bad. It wasn't ideal. Uh, I pretty much made all the wrong choices. I still won, but uh, it was a barely kind of situation, and it went down to the wire. I don't like to live my life that way. So next time I'm gonna. Definitely put hook into the lineup. Now, to be fair, they were saying that he was only going to get a couple touches. He may not even play. So, they really tricked me, and I was really mad about it. Uh, the Saints and the Jets, man. Two teams that are don't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. With the Saints they got a really solid team but their quarterback situation it's not it's i don't believe it's a winnable quarterback situation even if you know somebody went over and took over for that situation it would be really hard to make it into a positive one you know the falcons played the panthers their division guys are always going to play each other tough Falcons beat the Panthers at home. That's really tough. That's a tough peel for, for Cam and those guys. Man, I really have been rooting for Cam. Um, but, man, it's, <laughs> he's starting to take some some L's for some teams that you can't really put that big of a respect on them. So, it's tough. The Falcons are usually bottom feeders, but when you're the bottom feeder to the bottom feeder, What does that make you? Uh, The Seahawks rolled over the Texans just like pretty much everybody has done this year. Uh, The Chiefs and the Raiders was a blowout. The Browns and the Ravens was a close game. Um, It's it's really disappointing because Lamar Jackson was really supposed to be in there during these crucial moments, and he wasn't. So, they won, but it was just kind of like, man, now the real question is, how hurt is he, is is he going to be ready for playoffs, that kind of stuff. So, we'll see what happens. The Cowboys in Washington, man, that was another game that it felt like it could have gotten away from Washington. I think they did a good job of keeping it close, but the cowboys really were on point when it came to making it happen so i just can't see washington especially after that loss um rebounding enough to to go on a, a late season run it's gonna be really tough jackson or the jack yeah jacksonville versus the titans jaguars i mean it was 20 and 0 know so what do you expect um the lions and the broncos another blowout there was quite a few little blowout games, but some even the Giants Chargers, they, you know, the Chargers blew them out. Uh 49ers and Bengals, Bengals play people hard. 49ers play people hard, so I knew that was going to be a close game. And it went to it went to overtime. So, speaking of overtime, the Bills and the Bucks went to over, overtime. I personally thought that the Bills were going to have a bad game. I thought they were going to lose big um but you know that weather is something else man and all we can do is just try to get it you know worked out and and ready for the next group of people that have to utilize it really and if you know we're able to do that it's only going to look better on the team now they got the green bay packers and the bears now this was an exciting game one minute, one minute, you felt like the Bears were gonna do something. The next minute, you felt like the Packers were gonna do something. And how, you know how do you, how, how do you not talk about a, a thirty to forty five matchup? Now, if the Bears could have kept it rolling, they they didn't go quite kill for kill. They could have kept it rolling. Man, oh man. We would have been feeling good, feeling great, dude. And that takes us, and I right now, well, I go to, I get to my my rankings here in a second, and that takes us to the the final game, the Monday night football game. The Rams go on the road and beat the Cardinals, which the Cardinals did earlier this week. Um, I think they're just, I think they're two really good teams. If they weren't in the division, they they possibly could be uh teams that could go could finish high simultaneously instead of being uh a instead of ending up taking out each other, which is saying a lot. Um, unfortunately the Packers they're wrapping up with the teams that they got, and they've had a pretty respectable schedule on top of that. But um you know it's hard it's hard the packers have pretty much destroyed the bears every chance they got and until Aaron Lee's probably not going to ease up the rams and the cardinals i mean it's kind of like that with McVay versus the cardinals they he has since he's gotten there he's been dominating that that uh that division and that team now the Cardinals did beat them on the road earlier in this week and I feel like they got away from what got them that victory they got away from the run game they started to have you know silly passes and they were getting no time to even possibly make adjustments on the pass block or um you know just be ready to make a play the running game, they started to get away from it, and the passing game, they they looked like they they were missing missing some things, you know. They they, they AJ AJ Green missed a touchdown early in the the first quarter, and was just like, golly, what is he doing? Like those are gimmies for him, but you know, people get nervous and they're not robots. So, what are you gonna do? Now I will say this when it comes to my standings of of my teams and who I think is the best i'm going to start with the afc for me i like to go top top 5 in the afc and top 5 in the nfc going top 5 overall that's just it's too much um i think the patriots and the chiefs are one and two for sure in uh the division the Titans, I, I give them three. They they definitely have earned that respect. Now, how far they get with no quarterback, man, that's gonna be tough. Uh, the Chargers are right there, and so are the Browns, and so are the Broncos and P- and Um oh, Man, that's crazy. The Colts are right there. They're seven and six. So, there's a lot of seven and six teams a lot that's man that's pretty dope uh, so it looks like it's going to be a pretty interesting playoff series for for a lot of these guys and I can't wait to see I really can't uh, as far as the NFC after that last loss with the tiebreaker going to the Packers I, I gotta go with the Packers and then second, I'm gonna go with the Bucks. Third, I'm gonna go with the Cardinals. Uh, fourth, the Cowboys. And then my fifth, my fifth team right now, obviously it's the Rams. And and you know, I may shift them here or there, depending on how everything went. And the reason why I don't put them over the Cardinals is I'm looking at the big picture. Yes, they did beat the Rams early, and then the Rams just beat them. So I'm not trying to take anything away from either one of those teams. They both are really good on the road, though, so keep that in mind. If if these guys got to go on the road, they actually might be a more, more of a problem with some of these teams at home. It's just the way it is, uh, especially the NFC. And, you know, the right team catches on fire and everybody feels it. So we'll see what happens, man. Uh, let's see. Did I? Yeah, I think I did my. I think I did. I think I did it for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, those are my top five for both conferences. Shoot, man, we we, we did it, man. We made it happen and had a heck of a breakdown if there's any. Thing that I may have missed hit me up fellas hit me up people and uh, we'll we'll put it out there I usually don't hit basketball up you know until after all-star just because there's so many games like baseball I don't hit it up until you know when it when the games really matter so great thing about combat sports is every fight is a championship fight in a way and for some people that's even truer than, than those words and it's a final thing. It's a finality to it. You know, no matter how much somebody talks, all you guys have to do is meet up and in the square circle and, and, you know, wrap your hands up and go go to work. So you gotta love that. Um, this this next this next set of fights is gonna be Derek Lewis and he's gonna be fighting the up and coming uh fighter. So you got to love that, and we got to see how he rebounds from that loss of Cyril gone, But I'm sure he's going to, um, you know, with these heavyweights. It only takes one hit, so anybody who's whoever watches Derek Henry always tells me the same thing. Don't blink. <laughs> and we're definitely not going to blink. And you guys, keep it up, and, you know, hit us up until the next time. All right, peace. Thank you.